So this exercise that was meant to bring us closer together and build trust actually backfired. And now every time that we were in a meeting together, he just couldn't even make eye contact with me. He was that ashamed of how he acted. Hello and welcome to Conscious Business. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak, and today we're going to talk about the biggest relationship killer, trust. Now, it doesn't matter if it's a work relationship, a personal relationship, a long-standing friendship. If you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship. And yeah, that's a pretty bold claim, but it's one that I'm confident in making. Trust is one of the biggest struggles that I see in the corporate world, especially with teams. If it isn't present, you can't really know each other at a deep level. You can't challenge each other properly or ever have healthy conflict. You can't lean in and you can't share information at the depth that you really, really need to. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First, I'm going to explain exactly why trust is so important on a team. In the second segment, I'm going to reveal a model that I use for building trust. And then in the third segment, I'm going to give you some tips to help you build trust with your team. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Trust really is the foundation of any good relationship. And I don't think this is news to anyone. We can all admit that trust has to be present in a relationship before we can really truly lean in and get to know someone. Now, if you've read the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, you'll know that the absence of trust is at the very bottom of the model of the pyramid. And it is a common dysfunction on a team. The other four dysfunctions are fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and inattention to results. But trust really is the foundation here. And to build trust, you have to have vulnerability and courage. And most people agree that trust is important. However, they struggle in how to build trust. So whenever I take a team offsite, the team usually asks me, half-jokingly, I'm sure, Julie, are you going to make us do trust falls? <laughs> and you know, <laughs> we slap because it's telling that a trust fall comes to mind as a common team activity to build trust, right? It's a little bit of edge behavior, isn't it? That people think of something, um, an activity like this, that is going to build trust. And they roll their eyes and they're usually a little bit facetious or sarcastic when they ask. So I want to clear the air here once and for all. I don't do trust falls. I've never done trust falls. I've actually never even participated in a trust fall. And quite frankly, I never will. But what I do find interesting is that a team that doesn't really trust each other thinks that they can go away for a day or two and then come back fully trusting each other. It's just not that easy. I really wish it was. Now, when we go off site, we can do a lot of work building that foundation. But trust is really something that has to be built over time, and it's something that you have to maintain and continually invest in. There is, however, something else that you can do with a team that really helps you to establish strong trust. And I'm going to reveal that to you in the next segment. I'm going to share the exact exercise that I do with teams that will help you to develop trust. And you can take this away and you can do it with your team. 
But first, I want to explain why I don't love the trust fall. So here's the deal. You've got this group of people who don't really trust each other. You put them in a high-pressure scenario where they have to demonstrate their trust for each other at 100% capacity, right? Well, that's just a recipe for disaster. You're either going to entice them to just fake it just to get through the exercise and then they'll be resentful later, or worse... They're going to not exhibit trust at 100% and somebody's going to get hurt. So I want to share a story of an offsite that I was a participant in that went horribly wrong. Now, the intention was to bring us together in this really intense, stressful, physical situation. So the thinking was that we would go through this exercise, this physically challenging exercise, and then develop really deep bonds with each other. But that didn't happen. So here's the scenario. It was a Navy simulation exercise. And we were aboard a mock ship. And below the deck, so we were completely closed off from the outer world in this kind of like a giant metal container, if you can picture it. The simulation presented us with all these holes that would happen in the ship and water would start flooding in really cold water. Our objective was to work with our partner to plug up the holes in a very, you know, old school way of literally taking these wooden wedges and having to pound them into these holes where the water was pouring into our ship. So it sounds pretty easy, right? But it wasn't. There was a few challenges. We were dressed in these orange uh, hazmat looking suits to try to keep us warm because the water that was coming into the ship was literally freezing. And we even started with a couple feet of water at the bottom of the ship. So the water, when, you know, the simulation exercise started, it started to trickle in and, you know, a very manageable way. And then it started to accelerate like fire hydrant pressure. And the whole situation just turned to chaos. There was loud noises. There was lights flickering. There were sirens going off. And this freezing water was just constantly pouring into this tiny space. So it wasn't long before we were about waist high. Uh, some of us shorter than others, in this freezing cold water. And we had to work with our partner to try to plug these holes. Long story short, my partner panicked and completely freaked out under pressure. And not like sort of kind of panicked, but like full-blown panic. And he had to bail on the exercise and just take off. He just completely abandoned me and left me there to work alone. When the going got tough, he literally got going. So here we are in this situation that was meant to bring us closer together, right? To demonstrate trust, to see what each other were made of. And it simply revealed to us that trust and safety simply weren't there. So this exercise that was meant to bring us closer together and develop trust, well, it backfired and it literally drove a wedge between us. So if you don't have trust and safety established with someone, putting yourself waist high in a very stressful situation isn't going to force you to trust them. It's just going to amplify what the current situation already is, which was that this person didn't trust me or anyone else in the team. He was constantly suspicious. He was always brokering some sort of deal behind everybody else's back. And things actually got worse with him when we went back to the office. Every time we were in a meeting or we had to work together, he just couldn't even make eye contact with me because he was that ashamed of how we reacted in that situation. 
So clearly this happened a really long time ago, and I didn't have tools way back then uh, or any of the courage that I did today to have a really courageous conversation to help normalize this or help him figure it out. But the takeaway here is simple. A lack of trust plus a situation that is really stressful does not equal the spontaneous building of trust. It simply amplifies what is already existing on the team or greater erodes the trust that isn't present. So I want to start this segment by sharing a trust exercise that I do with teams that is really, really impactful. And I have to give credit to my friends at Shopify. Last year, I ran a retreat with one of their senior leadership teams, and they introduced a model that they use at their company, introduced by their CEO, Toby. And he explains it like this. He wants everyone in the company to approach trust like a battery. And when you meet someone new, you start with 50% in your battery. And so when you get to know them more and you have a lot of positive interactions, that battery charges and it starts to increase above that 50%. So I love this concept of trust as a battery that charges or drains with every interaction. So this inspired me to develop my own team exercise around that concept. So here's how it works. There's two separate parts. In part A, you ask everyone to reveal what their trust model is. How do they develop trust or relationships with people? So here's how you would do this. Write down a list of the different options for trust on a whiteboard or a flip chart. Here's the four different options. Write 100%, 50%, 0, and negative 10. Now, if you're leading this exercise with your team, I'm going to suggest that you model the behavior that you want and do the exercise for yourself before you move around to others in the room. So 100%, this is the most optimistic way of establishing trust with others. It means that when you first meet someone new, it's kind of obvious, but you give them 100% of your trust. You don't ask them to earn it. You're not questioning them. You simply believe in them and in their potential, and you have complete and total faith in their capabilities. 50% is the cautiously optimistic option. So it means that when you meet someone new, you don't want to give them all your trust, but you want to give them some trust. So you start right there in the middle at 50%. They have the opportunity to either go up from there or to go down from there, but you start by giving them the benefit of the doubt. The third one, zero, is the option where you basically start and meet someone new and you don't have any trust for them at all, which means that they're going to have to do things to build up your trust and create trust out of nothing. So knowing that trust is one of the most powerful ways to make a team really productive, this will be hard to do if there's zero trust. But the reality is that there's a lot of people that operate from this model, from a 0% trust. And then lastly, we have the negative 10, which is what I call a trust deficit. It means that when you meet someone new, they already are in the doghouse. You're already suspicious of them. And they're going to have to work really hard to get out of this trust deficit. Now, the sucky thing here is that this person isn't in a trust deficit with you because of something that they did. They're usually there because of previous interactions that you've had with other people who have disappointed you or made you jaded. And so rather than clearing the slate, you hold on to this mistrust or these things that have happened to you in the past and you bring that to the new relationships. 
So that's the four different models of trust, 100%, 50, zero, and 10. Now, as you're facilitating this exercise, it's important that you don't put a label of what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. We simply want everyone to just reveal where they are and how they identify. And trust me, people love talking about themselves. And so they will naturally open up if you create the trust and safety in the room by, you know, doing a designed alliance or a team agreement. You want to make sure that there's no judgment in the room when you do an exercise like this. So... Another note here, it's possible that some people might counter your four different models of trust and have one of their own. So they might say, you know what, I'm not 100 or 50, I'm more like 75, which is great. Then I would add that number up to the list and um, have that as an option that other people can select as well. So you don't want to make them wrong. You want to identify what it is that they use as their model and write it up there. So that's part one of the exercise, have everyone identify what their model of trust is. Part two of the exercise is to have everyone explain how people can gain their trust or erode their trust. So for this part of the exercise, I would put up two inquiry questions. One, how do others earn your trust? And two, what actions erode your trust? So to accommodate all the introverts in the room, I would start off with a pen and paper and give everyone a few minutes to reflect on this. Maybe jot down and write a few points. Then when everybody's done reflecting, as a group, go through and have everyone share their responses to those two questions. How do others earn your trust and what actions erode your trust? So the magic in this exercise comes from giving everyone the opportunity to talk about how they establish trust and what model works for them. Trust really is the foundation of all relationships. And if you're interacting daily with someone and you don't even know whether they trust you or how they approach trust, I'm not really sure how you're supposed to ever interact with them and have a relationship with them. You may realize that actions that cause you to open up and really trust someone actually might have the opposite impact of other people. So this is why I think it's so important because we all speak different trust languages. And so we have to figure out what everybody else does and how they approach trust to be able to build trust with them. And remember, there isn't a right or wrong way here for someone to earn your trust. The most important thing is to just recognize and learn about each other, not to come up with one agreed upon method. So I want to assign you some homework here. Your homework is to have a conversation with at least one other person about their relationship with trust. See which one of those four different models they identify with and then have a conversation about how you can build their trust and what happens when their trust is eroded. And then when you feel like you've got this under your belt, you can open up and do this exercise with your team. In this segment, I want to give you some tips to help you to do this exercise with your team. Tip number one is be curious, not confrontational. All right, be curious, not confrontational. So I'm going to be real with you. This exercise is going to produce a lot of aha moments. You're going to realize things about people that you didn't know in the past, and this is a good thing. But we want to make sure that we don't make assumptions and we aren't confrontational about calling each other 
out on certain things. So if someone says something that is incongruent to you or that you don't understand, you want to ask them about it in a curious way. You could lead with, you know what, I'm really curious about what you said because I've observed something different in your behavior. For example, last week you did XYZ. So you want to be curious, not confrontational. And this is the place to bring up specific examples. Once you've cracked everything open, you've created this safe space, this is the time to have those discussions, right? Don't take it offline. This is offline. Tip number two, remember there aren't right answers. So don't send anyone down a shame spiral if their trust model is different than yours. It's all good. Remember, relationships don't thrive because we have the same beliefs or the same personality traits as someone else. They thrive because we make the differences conscious and we discuss ways that we can navigate around these differences. Remember, diversity is a good thing. This is what makes a team strong. You never want to work with someone that is just like you, that acts the same way, thinks the same way, and behaves in the same way as you because you're not going to learn anything from them. Tip number three, be honest and share as many examples as possible. So this is a really important discussion. And the more that you can share examples of what brought you to where you are today, of how trust was built, maybe how trust was taken away or eroded, share those examples about what happened in the past or what happened in the office last week. And again, be curious around them. Gold star for you if you can really share examples. And also, it will help you to be more relatable to others. So remember, you don't have to have the same trust model as someone else. You simply have to be conscious of what each of yours is. I can think of a relationship that I had ages ago where I really leaned in and I gave 100% trust. But the other person came to that relationship with a trust deficit. And it's something that we never really talked about. I didn't have this language back then. And so obviously it was never conscious for us. But as I was preparing this episode today, I was realizing that this disconnect that we had around trust, it was one of the biggest challenges in the relationship because the other person was constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop to find out something about me, for me to do something to wrong them. And that sort of suspicion made me feel like I constantly had to prove myself to them, right? And that fear, that lack of trust eventually got to me and I started to become really resentful. So I've presented this model really about how to work with your team and build trust with your team, but you can remember this model applies to any single relationship that you have, business or personal. So let's take a second and recap those three tips that you just learned to have this courageous conversation around trust. One, be curious, not confrontational. Two, remember that there aren't any right answers. And three, be honest and share real world examples. All right, it's time to wrap up this episode on trust and how to build trust in your team. I hope that you take time to really think about and reflect how trust plays out in your life. What is your model for trust? What is the model of other people in your life? How do they model trust in their relationships? And really take time to have those courageous conversations with someone else about what their relationship with trust is, what increases trust, and what erodes trust. You're going to realize things about that person that you didn't even know, and you're likely going to learn a thing or two about yourself. 
And a reminder about those three tips that I gave in the last segment. Be curious, not confrontational. Remember, there aren't any right answers or right models. And three, be honest and share examples. In addition to those tips, I want to share one last tip with you in this episode. Remember that everyone in this world is constantly changing. We're always growing, we're learning, we're evolving. And if you don't hold space for people to make mistakes and really change who they are and how they show up, then you don't give yourself permission to ever make a mistake, which is a shame because it is our mistakes, not our masterpieces, that we learn from the most.